morning. I'm going to 1 John. The epistle letter of 1 John. I'm going to be in the second chapter. Now, I don't really like to do this, but I'm going to break into this chapter. <clears throat> Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. May the Lord ask blessings to the reading of his word. This word world gets thrown around a lot by lots of people. And very, very few of them have any idea what they're talking about. So I want to talk to you about this thing, love not... The world. The writer here is John. He also wrote 2nd and 3rd John. Also the gospel of John. He wrote down the book of the Revelation. But these letters he composed. And the gospel he, he composed. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Every word was given by inspiration of God. So this this is the word of God. There's no question about it. It is the word of God. John, as he writes, he uses the word world a lot. And he uses it in various ways. And very few preachers ever, ever spell that out. They assume that the, when you see the word world, that just means... God loves everybody and everything in the world and everything's all right. Well, that's not what John is saying here. It's not even close. Now, we got to watch ourselves. If you're saved, you know the Lord, you're trying to live for the Lord. We must recognize these truths. But we've got to maintain a balance. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Some have tried to cut themselves off completely from the world. You can't do that. The first, uh, they call him Christian, monk, was way back a, Second, third century. And his name was Antony. And he really withdrew himself from the world. Went back into a cave. 
And that's where he stayed. They say later on people would come and holler at him. But he got so separated, they say he wouldn't even come out and take a bath. Now I'm sure there's a lot of people who was glad he was separated, but <laughs> anyway. But they said that he found out that even though he separated himself from everything in the world and everybody, he still couldn't control his mind. That didn't mean that he stopped sinning. We got a problem. We never will stop sinning because we've got the old nature and the new nature. Those of you that are saved, you've got the old nature and there's a battle going on between the two. Paul said he has to die daily. Die out to what? To his old self. And if you watch yourself, you can see that old self coming right back into the picture. Well, I thought I had it whipped, but I didn't. Don't ever think you've got it whipped. But anyway, what I wanted to say is that we can't absolutely isolate ourselves from the world. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. First Corinthians chapter 5. It would help to get out of Romans and get in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 5, as Paul teaches the church at Corinth about the doctrine and practice of church discipline, of which 99% of all churches are 100% ignorant of. So he tells this church that you must maintain a membership that's following the Lord. So he says, verse 9, I wrote unto you in a epistle, another letter, not to company with fornicators. Well, fornicators are sexual Sinners. Anything outside of a man and woman in marriage is sin. Hadn't changed a bit. That's what it still is. So Paul says, I wrote a letter not to keep company or not to company with fornicators. Now what he means, company is the church, the assembly. That's what he means by that. And so he balances that truth with the next verse. Yet, not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. The only way you're going to ever be separated from all of those open sinners 
You're going to have to leave the world. Now, if you're saved, when you leave this world, that is, you give up the ghost, you die. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And there won't be any sin going on there in you or anybody else. But that's not going to happen until you're out of this world. All right. He says, so, but now have I written unto you not to keep company, that is church company. If any man that's called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one, no, not to eat. That's talking about eating the Lord's Supper in the church company. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. A church not only has the uh, authority, but has the obligation to not keep church company with open fornicators and all these other things. I hope everybody's understanding. We can't do that. Many churches do, and they soon become non-churches. I believe that that causes the lampstand, the candlestick, to be lost quicker than anything. It started very early, even back in the third century, novation. There was a problem in that church with novation. You've heard me mention that. Anyway, but it's not our business to go outside of our assembly and try to judge everybody. He said, we can't do that. We don't have the authority to do it, the ability, nor the mandate to do that. We're not judges. God's the judge. But in our church, we've got to keep a church membership that honors the Lord. That's why we have a church covenant. And we try to abide by that best we can. None of us are perfect, but we do try to best we can. So, now, don't go to an extreme. I'm not going to say much about this, but old Origen, O-R-I-G-E-N, one of the early so-called Church fathers, heretic. They say he got into this and he castrated himself. Said he regretted it later on. I'm sure he did. Well, don't go hog wild and pig crazy and and try. I'm never going to be around anybody. Well, you you going to leave the world? I mean, you got to work. You got to well, even family. I, everybody in my family is not saved. Don't have much of a family left, but I know many of them are not. It's not my business to go judge them. Uh, so we got to watch what we do. We have to maintain a balance. But on the, by the same token, we must not love. Look at James 4. Just turn back from 1 John, James 4.
verse 4, James says, You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So on the other hand, we don't try to become judges of the world. We, have, we, we can't do it anyway. I mean, it's totally out of our, out of our pay, above our pay grade. But on the other hand, we also don't want to become friends with the world. Because then we're making friends with God's enemy. I mean, that's exactly what the scriptures say here. So, he tells us, love not the world. And that word is cosmos. Which that's the word that's used almost any time in the New Testament. Word world is rendered a few times. Ionos, the age, that's also used. A little bit of difference, but anyway. Uh, look at Matthew 16. I'm not trying to wear you out with scripture, but. So, so far, we ought to see that this is not a simple thing. That a child of God has got got something to face that's not real simple. So Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, same word, and lose his own soul? Now soul means life. For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul or for his life? So, we're not to be trying to gain the world. I've, we've seen recently folks who done well, scrimped, saved, put away, and die and leave it. I've said this many times. Paul said, whether it be by life or by death, Christ shall be magnified in my body. We need to do what God told us to do. If you're a child of God, a member of this church, we need to be concerned about God's work going on here. So we can't just, well, I'm going to die and leave all that for everybody else. We need to have a, a stake in this. So we're going to, you can't take it with you. No, you can't. But you can sure send it on ahead. Amen. Amen? So, we need to be concerned about the, about the work going on. We got stuff to do. We got to maintain this building. I tell you what, I'm getting ready. We're going to have to do. I'm going to get another printing done of Brother Bong's books. You know how many thousands of dollars that's going to cost? Can't do that if we don't have any money. People need to make sure that they take care of the Lord's work. It's not just what I do today. 
We need to take care of the Lord's work. This is the Lord's work. This is his kind of church. He started when he was here. And he loved his church. And he gave himself for it. In a very special way. Jesus died for his bride. Which is made up of his true churches. And his true saints in his true churches. Now some people deny that. But they don't know what they're talking about. Anyway. So. I wanted you to see that. Now look quickly at the Gospel of John. I'm going to go to chapter 3, but then I'm going to go right back to chapter 17. Of course, you know what John 3 has to say. And this is, this is what most people hear this or read this, and then they stop. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his, not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is a condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought or worked in God. Now look at the last verse of this chapter. Now people say, well see, God loved everybody in the world. No, that's not what he's saying there. Look at verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now how does God love them and the wrath, his wrath remains on their head too? You got a problem there is what I'm saying. You need, you need to understand what, he, what he's saying here. Now if you read this and you read in chapter 4, you find that 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 world that he's talking about is not everybody in the world. It's all kinds of people in the world, both Jew and Gentile. And the very next thing out the bat in chapter 4, he goes to that Samaritan woman that the Jews hated and they wouldn't even go around because she was, they weren't pure Jews. They were a, a mongrel race. But Jesus goes right there and said, I must needs go to Samaria. And here comes that woman and she goes away. Saved Nicodemus goes away lost. And that's exactly what he's teaching there. That this world, it's not everybody in the world, but it's all kinds of people in the world. You got to, just need to understand that. Now look at chapter 17. Now this is where Jesus prays his prayer. 
in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us a model prayer, a prayer to follow. Follow that outline, that basic outline. Those are the kinds of things that we need to be praying for. But now the Lord's prayer is here in chapter 17 of John. And he prays uh, to God the Father, Holy Father he calls him. Uh, he says, Thou hast given, verse 2, given him power over all flesh. Again, that's all kinds of flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now, is that not a limitation? Of course it is. He has given eternal, give eternal life to as many as God has given to the Son. And not one more. And this is life eternal. So what does it mean to have eternal life? Here we go. That they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Amen. There it is. Now, he says in verse 5, Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now I would say there, he's talking about the whole kit and caboodle. Before he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, with before. What was there before Genesis 1-1? God. Now, he's verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Let's see. I'm trying to not take up too much time. Verse 9. I pray for them. And that would be those whom the Father hath given to the Son. Now notice this next phrase. I pray not... For the world. Then how do you go to John 3.16? Oh, he loves the world and everybody in it. You've got to find out what the scriptures teach. And they don't teach that. That's just what some preacher has said. A lot of them have said. I pray for them, those whom the Father has given the Son. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Verse 11, now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. Now there, that world is planet earth. He's getting ready to ascend. And, but we're still here. He said, I come to thee, and I come to thee, Holy Father, everybody needs to understand, that's not the Pope at Rome. This is God Almighty in heaven who's been there and is there, who always was, is, or ever is to come. 
He is the Holy Father. Not some dude wearing a dress like a, like a woman, calling himself father, never had no kids. He says, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. I'd like for some preacher, some of those preachers, to tell me what that means. Anyway, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. I need to get back to First John. Now he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, this teaching is much for our attitude and the affections of our heart. Lot's wife loved the world and what happened to her when they got free Lot and his wife and daughters when they got free from Sodom and Gomorrah and the fire and brimstone began to rain out of heaven to destroy those cities of the plain they were instructed to go and not look back. But why did... Now Jesus said remember Lot's wife. And I'm trying to remember. Do you know what was wrong with Lot's wife? She loved the world. And she couldn't stop herself from looking back at Sodom and Gomorrah and God turned her into a pillar of salt. Yes, I believe that actually happened. Every word of that happened. Amen. Now, our attitude towards the world. Now let me say this. The word cosmos in the Greek. That's the word that we get. The words cosmology and cosmogony. Now, if you want to sound like that you know something, you might talk to somebody about their cosmology or their cosmogony. And there's a bunch of them that do it. Well, let me tell you what cosmology. Anytime you see ology behind a word, you might know that's a study of whatever the first half of that word is. So that would be a study of the cosmos. So cosmologists, they study, it's a branch of astronomy involving the quote unquote science of the universe's origin. The science of where the universe came from. Well, actually, let me say this. Although they call it a science, the word science means knowledge. What you know. So cosmology is an illegitimate 
science. It really doesn't exist because they don't know where the universe had its origin. They just don't know. And the only reason we know is because we know the one who started it. He was there and he's left his word and his word has never been disproven at all. This is the word of God. And cosmogony is specifically the study of the origin of the stars, the solar system. I'm not going to try to get into all this, but I'll tell you. There's a guy who was an astronomer. His name was Urt. I think he's from Denmark or Sweden, somewhere over there. O-O-R-T. What kind of, what name is that? Urt. Well, they had a problem because they scientifically figured out that stars could not be billions of years old. They just can't be. There's several reasons for that. One, God said he made the star. But anyway, uh, that's 6,000 years ago. But even from their technological dream world, they could not, they could not justify how stars could be lasting billions of years, well, 13, 11 billion years, whatever it is. 11, 13, it goes up all the time. They'll change it again this time next year. You have to keep up with them. They're always changing it. Anyway, so he presented a model. That's what scientists do. Present a model. Nothing wrong with that. But his model said that, well, see, what happens is there's this gigantic cloud way out yonder. And that's where all the young stars are created. In the Urt cloud. Anybody ever heard of the Urt? cloud? Well, you listen to them very long, and they'll talk about the Oort cloud. That's where all the new stars are created. However, the absolute scientific truth of all of that is that nobody's ever seen the Oort cloud, and beyond that, nobody has ever seen a star created. Isn't that interesting? Now, they have seen the aftermath of a few stars blow up. And what they call that supernovas. But now, out of all of the multiplied billions upon billions of stars, there's only a handful of events 
that they can call supernovas. Now, when y'all study, go to school, and they tell you about all this stuff, y'all understand nobody's ever seen a star made. Nobody's ever seen the Oort cloud. All that is is, is that the Oort dude, is that's what he, a figment of his imagination. But they all accept it because it, it solves their problem immediately. It gives them an answer. Because they don't know where stars come from. We do. The Bible said he made the stars also in the six 24-hour days of creation. Anyway, so that's what cosmology and cosmogony, that's what they indicate. They get that from this word cosmos. Now all that other stuff, that's their business. That's their doings. Anyway, so we see the material universe that's the world that God has made that we live on, that we stand on. And then, as I've already pointed out in Matthew 16, it's the whole circle of worldly goods. Now, what I want to tell you is that this world is at enmity with God. So what we have here, 1 Timothy 2.9, This is going to shock you. This word cosmos is used in 1 Timothy 2.9, also 1 Peter 3.3. 3. I won't go over there. We'll go right here. But Paul says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Would you believe that that word adorn is cosmos? Also in 1 Peter 3.3. and 3. Well, what is this? Well, now, y'all ain't selling this makeup and all that stuff. You got a certain pattern that you use with the makeup. Is that right? Well, and there is a pattern that a woman uses, most women use, a pattern by which they follow to get dressed. And that's what he says. Cosmos adorn themselves in modest apparel. So, there's a system. That's the point. There's a system. And that's why that word is used there. Of course, it really has nothing to do with the whole world except just that's the pattern. It's a pattern. It's a system. And that's what I want you to know, that there is a, an arrangement behind this system. The world, the system of the world. And we find out that it is a system that has that is a conspiracy against God. And that's why we're not to make friends with this world. Amen. Now we need you need to follow them. This, this is good stuff. The world order is against God. The world order, and that's what we're talking about, that arrangement. The world order is against God. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 1.
First Corinthians, the first chapter. Verse 1 and 1. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. We make a terrible mistake if we assume that this world knows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We make a terrible mistake because this world by the wisdom of the world, and there's a lot of smart people out there, but this world and this conspiracy does not know God by the wisdom of the world. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Not foolish preaching, the foolishness of preaching. Because this world says, well, it's foolish to preach to a bunch of people. Then you all say God's got an election and God elected people and nobody can repent unless God gives them repentance and all that. So why are you preaching? We're doing it because God commands us to. But do not mistake this world being on God's side. People talk about God all over. It was on uh, Ken Ham's Facebook. It's on mine now. I put it on there. Yale University. All of those Ivy League universities started out being preacher training schools. Yale was no different. There was a preacher training school. You ever hear hear of Jonathan Edwards who preached uh, the great message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? Timothy Dwight that followed, president of Yale University. They, They somewhat were on God's side. Yale University just in the last little bit they had a celebration for all of the gods of Hindu what business does a so called Christian institution have celebrating false gods We thought the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, did awful by building their idols, high places, and all of that. But we're doing this, this world is doing worse than that now. So, look at uh, Gospel John, chapter 7. Verse 7, Jesus said, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. He didn't say I'm talking about all those in the prisons. He didn't say I'm talking about all of the 
prostitutes. He said that the works of the world are evil. I hope I'm getting through. The Lord has judged and condemned this system, world system. We who know the Lord are looking for a new heaven and a new earth. The world is an enemy to God. And whether they know it or not, God is their enemy. I just I, Jesus said, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And what did God do in the days of Noah? He had Noah build the ark. He led all the animals. God brought them to Noah. He didn't have to go get them. Got them on the ark. It was Noah, his three sons, and their wives. Eight people. And the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I do not believe that Noah got on the ark because he was a good man. I believe Noah was a, was a good man because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then I want to ask you this. Can you give me some kind of an estimate of how many people of the world died under the wrath of God outside the ark? Is there any, are there any estimates out there? Zero. None lived. They all died. Every last one of them died. He said, Jesus said, I testify against this world that the works of this world are evil. And as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We're getting ready to go again. This time it won't be water. That's what the rainbow says. But it will be fire by the same word as before. Well, let me go on with this. Look at all of the some call them disciplines. How about the politics of this world? Well, you say, well, we've got a, it's not a democracy. Regardless of how many times Joe Biden and that woman say, it is not a democracy. It is a constitutional republic. That's the kind of a government we have. But even with that, is the politics of the United States of America on God's side? Not even close. Not even close. Well, how about the politics of communism? Oh, definitely not. How about the politics of Socialism, definitely not. Name the government, name the politics, name the political party 
and there's none of them on God's side. He said, well, we started out. We had, a, we had a government that was made from the Bible. And that's true. Didn't last long, though, did it? Wasn't even perfect then. That's why they had to put in all of these balances. Because even with the balances, you still got evil men ahead of it. I guess evil women now, but you had evil men. So the politics in the system of this world is against God. Well, how about the education? Well, we've got a great public education system. We do. Is it on God's side? <laughs> You've had judges outlaw the Ten Commandments. Outlaw the Bible. Students can't openly talk about God and about the Bible. And they've taken evolution and completely driven the Word of God out of even the conversations. Well, how about the colleges, universities? I think I just told you. Do you know that even you can't even depend on so-called Christian colleges teaching the whole counsel of the Word of God? You can't depend on almost any of them to teach the whole counsel of the Word of God, and yet they claim they're Christian. How about all of our textbooks? Well, they're printed and they have to go over them. Do you know that the majority of the textbooks of junior, elementary, junior high, high school, and colleges still teach that babies are born with tails and gills? Those things were proven lies back in the 1800s. And do you know what they say about it? Well, if we take that out of the books, what will we put in there? In other words, in order to teach evolution, we've got to have some lies. That's what they're saying. That's what they're doing. So I'm going to say politics, education. What about literature? Now, there have been good books present, printed. I've got, cop I've got copies of books that go way back. I've got a Xerox copy of a book that may have been printed uh, back as long as the 7th century A.D. The Key of Truth by the Paulicians. It's at least the 9th century, but it could be even the 7th century. And you know what? You can go along most of it. I've got all kinds of old books that tell the truth. But go out and try to find them. Some of them, they won't even try to reprint them because nobody wants them. So there's our literature world. Well, 
what I'm saying is be careful how wrapped up you get in politics. Be careful how wrapped up you get into education. Be careful how wrapped up you get into literature. How about, well, science. We have nothing against science. If it's true, it's only true because God made it true. Two and two still make four. New math didn't do that. God did that. The reason two and two always makes four is because God made it do that. Because God is a God of order. Amen. Well, so science. Now let me tell you what's so all scientists believe in evolution and the Big Bang. Well, no, not all of them. There's a bunch of them that do and admit it. And there's a bunch of others that are afraid to admit it because if they do, they'll get fired. If they admit that they believe the Bible, they will get fired from their professorships or else put in the back room cleaning the closet out. You can't get a Ph.D. degree if you believe the Bible and tell it. Art. Is art on God's side? I hear people talk about Christian art. Well, 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 now wait a minute here. The Bible plainly tells us, Thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything in heaven above, earth beneath, the waters under the earth, that you should bow down to it. All right. So-called Christian art painted a picture of God on the Sistine Chapel ceiling in Rome. Michelangelo did it because the Pope said he'd kill him if he didn't. And he had the power to do that. He's killed lots of people. That Pope, many of most of the other Popes. Well, no, wait, the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. Then if you've not seen God with your eyes, how can you paint a picture of God? And whatever you paint will not be God. Like these so-called pictures of Jesus Christ. They're all fakes, phonies. You, you've got Jesus with black hair, brown eyes. You've got Jesus with red hair, green eyes. You've got Jesus with blonde hair, blue eyes. You've got him with hair down here. And yet the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Well, you say, well, it reminds me of Jesus. How? You ain't never seen him. You can't be reminded of something you ain't never seen. I read Jesus through the Word of God. I see Jesus through the Word of God. So where is art? From the standpoint of Christian art, I don't believe in it. I think it's idolatry. And then all other art, just gone to filth. Alright? And then... Law. Well, at least law would be on God's side. Well, no, it should be. 
Because God, there's one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. Uh, all law ought to, ought to agree with God's law. But now where is law? Check our Supreme Court out. They said a woman has a right to murder her baby before it's born. Now they're, now they're entertaining this, making it right that she can murder her baby several months after it's born. How about mercy killings, euthanasia? Well, there's lots of places you can do that now. What was his name? Dr. Kevorkian, the doctor of death, going around helping people commit suicide. The Bible still says that life belongs to God. He said, thou shalt do no murder. That is, take somebody else's life wantonly. Well, that doesn't include going to war, doesn't include police protecting, and doesn't include you protecting your home. But it does include this. You don't like what, you want what somebody's got, you pull out a gun, you blow the brains out, take what they've got, and then some, some ungodly judge and lawyer gets you off with probation. Or some politician gets you released from a prison. Anyway, commerce, economics, against God, music. Well, at least that'd be forgotten. Well, you better watch. You better watch it. If it doesn't reflect the truth of God's word, it's not godly music. And just because somebody can sing doesn't mean they're called of God to preach. And however I see people, even so-called Baptists, that act like that. Be careful. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. Friendship with the world is enmity against God. You're not going to separate yourself from everything. You're not going to be like the Jews, touch not, taste not, can't get touched like that. No, that's not going to do it. You can't do that. We've got to be in this world and serve the, the, the Lord in this world until the Lord takes us out. Keep a balance. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Friendship with the world is enmity. Okay.